Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast. Today we have our weekly look at the headlines with the AMA's Vice President of Science, Medicine and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Hello, Andrea. Hi, how are you? I'm great. And uh, let's talk COVID cases. First off, last week we were talking about a trend that showed them declining. Uh, Same story this week. Yeah, if we look at the New York Times data overall, cases are down nationally. We are seeing some states, if we look at uh, Nebraska and Utah, where cases have been rising since the middle of February. Uh, But nationally, there's about 34,000 new cases being reported every day on average. That's a decrease of about 14% over the last two weeks. And then if we look at the the CDC's variant data, XBB 1.5, continues to grow and is the dominant variant in the U.S. That's now about uh, representing 85% of COVID cases. And BQ1 and BQ11 continue to decrease, and they're accounting for about 12% of new cases. And Andrea, how are those numbers translating into hospitalizations and deaths? So hospitalizations are still uh, increasing in some of the Western states, but nationally, we are trending downward. On average, there are about 28,000 people hospitalized for COVID daily. That's about a 5% decrease over the last two weeks. And then deaths are finally uh, starting to decrease. On average, we're seeing around 330 people dying of COVID each day. That's a 26% decrease from two weeks ago. So it's, it's good to see those numbers finally start to come down a little bit. Absolutely. And that has been uh, a number that has just uh, been in place for a long time. So it is excellent to see that de- uh, decline. Andrea, we also heard this week about a new at-home test that was recently authorized by the FDA. Tell us more about that and why it could be a game changer. Well, so during the COVID pandemic, people really got used to taking at-home tests for COVID-19, and now the FDA has authorized what it says is the first at-home test that can tell people if they have the flu and or COVID. Uh, The test was made by a California biotech company, Lucera Health. It uses um, a single self-collected nasal swab, and it can provide results in about a half an hour. Um, And like the COVID test, the test uh, for COVID and flu is available without a prescription. It's currently authorized for anyone 14 and older for self-collection, uh, or adults can use it uh, for children two years of age and older. Now, I know, Andrea, that uh, people are now used to being able to give themselves COVID tests, but in kind of the early days, there were uh, questions about accuracy. That was always kind of an issue. Do we have any sense of how accurate this new test is? Well, if we look at the data from the manufacturer, the test is able to identify a negative result for influenza A with 99% accuracy and a positive result with more than 90% accuracy. It's 100% accurate for uh, negative COVID samples and more than 88% accurate for positive results. There wasn't enough influenza B circulating while uh, the testing was being done. Uh, So we don't have data to measure that performance. The company says that we'll have to do a real world test when there is enough virus in circulation. But in lab studies, it caught nearly 100% of negative cases. Of course, the FDA said that all tests uh, carry a risk of a false positive or a false negative. 
Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. So if people do test negative, is the advice to test again in a couple of days, similar to kind of how we think about at-home COVID tests? Well, negative results should be confirmed with a lab test if it's necessary for patient management. Uh, People who test positive for flu or COVID should take precautions, of course, so they don't spread the illness to others. Uh, People who have flu or COVID-like symptoms but test negative uh, could have another kind of respiratory infection and, and would uh, could uh, qualify for uh, follow-up care. Um, the FDA did say that uh, the collective impact of COVID flu and RSV really underscores that importance of diagnostic tests for respiratory viruses and recognizes the benefits that at-home testing can provide. It's nice to have another kind of tool in the armament, so to speak. And speaking of flu, we haven't really talked about flu numbers in a while. Uh, Andrea, tell us where we stand. Are we still kind of in the height of flu season? Not really. If we look at the recent flu view report, uh, seasonal influenza activity is low nationally, which is good news. And that proportion of laboratory specimens testing positive for flu at clinical labs nationally has declined for the 10th consecutive week. So that's a good trend. Um, and, and systems uh, that track flu hospitalizations also continue to show declines and have been declining for weeks now. Levels are uh, similar to what we usually would see in late spring. Um, overall, key indicators suggest that this has been a, a moderately severe flu season, but of course that classification could change before the season is over. It makes me really glad that uh, my family and I both we all got our flu shots. Uh, but for those who haven't gotten one, is it too late kind of in the season to get a flu shot or is that still the recommendation? It's not too late yet. The CDC continues to recommend uh, getting that annual flu vaccine as long as flu viruses continue to spread in the community. I mean, tragically, we did see 115 pediatric flu deaths uh, reported in the U.S. so far this season. Everyone six months and older, with rare exceptions, should get that flu vaccine every season. Um This season, we have seen some concerning drops in flu vaccine uptake in certain groups. Uh, You can find a flu vaccine by visiting vaccines.gov and entering your zip code. And of course, if you have questions about flu vaccines, you can visit getmyflushot.org for more information. Those are some tragic figures. And again, just underscoring the importance of getting that flu flu vaccine. Andrea, too, I, I know, you know, the annual flu, flu vaccine can be a bit of a guessing game in terms of which strands are going to be dominant each season. How have we done this season in predicting that? Well, the early data suggests the flu vaccine has performed well, um, and that is most likely due to the fact that the vaccine does appear to have been a good match against those strains that uh, were spreading through the fall and winter. Um, During the CDC vaccine meeting last week, health officials said that data indicates uh, the vaccines were more than 40% effective in preventing adults from getting sick enough from the flu that they had to go to a doctor's office, office, uh, clinic, or hospital. 
And generally, um, it's good news if that flu vaccine is about 40 to 60 percent effective. So, Andrea, we were uh, just a couple of months ago talking about the triple demic of RSV, flu and COVID. Uh, I was riding up the elevator the other day and I saw yet another thing to worry about. So let's talk about it. A new bacteria that's getting some attention, warning and CDC alert. Tell us more about that. The CDC issued a health advisory to warn the public of an increase in shigellosis infection called, caused by XDR shigella bacteria strain. It's a drug resistant strain. It can cause fever, abdominal cramping, anesmus, and diarrhea. Uh, it can be transmitted through the fecal oral route directly from person to person contact, including sexual contact, and indirectly through contaminated food and water. Historically, this has impacted young children from age one to four, but the CDC is starting to see more of the antimicrobial resistant infections in adult populations, especially men who have sex with men, people experiencing homelessness, international travelers, and people living with HIV. Oh boy, uh, what do physicians need to know about this? Well, patients may recover from shigellosis without antimicrobial treatment. Oral rehydration may be sufficient uh, for people with an infection and healthcare providers treating those uh, with the drug resistant infection should consult with a specialist knowledgeable in treating antibiotic resistant bacteria to determine the best treatment options. We know that overusing antibiotics can contribute to the development of antimicrobial resistance. And of course, we and CDC recommend using antibiotics only when clinically indicated. And finally, we should note that this is a nationally notifiable disease. So healthcare professionals should be reporting all cases to their state and local health departments. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. We'll be keeping an eye on that story and we'll keep you updated as things progress. That wraps up today's episode. Uh, thanks for being here today and please check out all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care.